welcome to Dowdy. I'm Mariana Feijó and I'm on a quest to change the dictionary entry for the word brave, or just using that as an excuse to have conversations with people about moments in their lives in which they have been brave, or just slightly out of their comfort zones. This week I've been brave because I fully accepted the fact that I'm aging and that I can now shout at people who are doing things wrong, in my view, in the world. I've shouted at a cyclist that was cycling outside of the cycle lane and on the um, people's path that the uh, lane was right next to where he was cycling. And I've shouted at a man with his wheelie out peeing from the park to the pavement, like on the fence. He like slightly looked behind him to see if anyone was noticing he was peeing, but he didn't look forward to see the people on the pavement outside of the park that were clearly seeing what was happening. And this one, me, I'm pointing at myself, shouted, hey, there's toilets in the park that are open for you to pee now, so just go there. He was very surprised that people could see him peeing. So that's my newly found life objective to just shout at people on the streets and I'm happy and proud of it. This episode of Dowdy will start as it always does with my guest Steve Janti introducing himself. My name is Steve. Uh, I'm a, a comedian, a writer, a rapper, a guest musician. Is that what the kids are saying? And uh, I, I like to do all of them the same way. I like to have fun. Uh, and um, I like to push the boundaries of what you could do with them in a respectful way, <laughs> not like a edgy way. Yeah, I do feel like people try to use the, oh, I push the boundaries when they're being just jackasses. Yeah. But I know your work. And that's <laughs> Definitely not. I'm not saying anything <laughs> offensive. I'm having fun. How would you define bravery? Oh, I guess when I was young, I would say it's like um, just blindfold confidence like just being like i'm gonna do something and whatever the consequence is i'm just gonna make sure that i don't look fearful I guess that's what i would think when i was young but i think as i grew older i think bravery is actually being like completely honest like if if you don't like something someone's doing you're like no i don't like that or if you have an opinion in a workplace and you're like that's not how we should be running the company I think that's bravery because I feel like growing up, like at least the jobs I had or the jobs I went for, we were kind of programmed to like code switch or like lie or, or be a person pleaser to get to a certain point, uh, whether it's like comedy or like a normal nine to five. So I think is if you're just being brutally honest, <laughs> I think that's pretty brave. I, I It's very hard for me to keep it like a thousand thousand. So respect to anyone in that world. <laughs> and those are like, I don't know. I, I don't actually know what um, the, the repercussions are. I think there are repercussions, right? If you are completely honest and say things to yeah. people, uh, you will likely lose opportunities and all that. So there are real repercussions. Uh, this is a hard word. Repercussions to it. Whilst while you were a kid, the I get. I guess I don't know. I don't know what's your experience growing up. But if you showed fear. Uh, while trying to do something, will the other kids like mock you? And Absolutely. Stuff like that? I grew up, well, my neighborhood isn't as bad as it was when I was young. So I grew up in Brentwood, Long Island. And when I grew up, it was like a lot of gang culture. So it was like a lot of Bloods and uh, MS 13s, which is like a Salvadorian gang. 
So most of the people from Salvador would like leave and then would just come to Long Island. So I actually at a point had like the nickname is like Baby Salvador because there's so much people there. So like if they could, if those gang members could like smell the fear on you as a child, oh, they're going to bully you. They're going to get your lunch. They're going to get anything out of you, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, I felt like if I could be like, no, nah, man, I'm good. When I was younger, I was like, all right, I'm not going to lose my Lunchables right now. But as I grew older, I'm like, that shit really didn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever happened at that moment could have just made you a stronger person. Like, you didn't have to put on the act. And have you thought about moments in your life in which you have been brave? Apart from those moments you've just mentioned. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was <laughs> there was uh, one time uh, when I was in a, as an adult. I'll start with the serious one. And then there's one when I was a kid that was pretty fun. But as an adult, I was on this, um, like, hip-hop improv team. And that team kind of was ran like a business. So essentially, like, although they performed at a theater, uh, there wasn't like a house team. So they didn't really have an artistic director to like blow them up or change players. So there was just like one dude that would like pick everyone. And then he happened to pick. And then like, oh, mind you, I'm the only person of color. So he happened to pick another like 40 year old, just like slubby white dude. And this white dude just did not like me. <laughs> he did not like the way I stood in the back line. He didn't like the way I rapped. He didn't like anything I was doing. He was just like, all right. And it, I, at this point, I'm like, all right, bro, you don't got to like me. We're getting paid to do this. I'm just going to, you know I mean, go about my way. You go about your way. But then there were instances where he would say slick stuff or he'll do a scene that was pretty racial and shit like that. And I'm like, all right, once again... I'm going to let it slide because we don't have an AD. This isn't my team. It's whatever. So fast forward a couple months. He's <laughs> We're doing this show, and one of our teammates is on a reality show in Norway. So there's a whole bunch of cameras there. So I'm telling all my friends, like, all right, the reality show's coming. Come support this night. So the show is me, the guy in the reality show, and the guy that doesn't like me. So it's just us doing three yeah. prob. And he comes through wasted. Like, he's fucking gone. So at this point, I'm like, all right, I'm about to say fuck this because you can't be this mean to me and come to a show drunk. Like, well, we're doing warm-ups and you're doing zip-zap-zap like you're doing a one-two step. That's crazy. So the guy that's on the reality show, Richie, he's just like, yo, just forget it. We're going to do the show. We're going to do it. So I let it rock, whatever. Then we're getting to the end of the set. And there's a move where we're like on a plane and I'm like the pilot and I'm on the thing. And he's like, this guy thinks he's way too cool. He doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing. So I'm like, all right, I know this white guy. You're you're the straight white dude that does the characters, that thinks improv should be done a certain way, and all your white friends told you you're funny. So if someone doesn't play a character, they're not doing the art form right. At this point, you cross the bridge. You know what I mean? Because you know my friends are in the crowd. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I wait till the show's done. We go into the green room, and I go, hey, man, if you got an issue with me, Leave that shit off the stage. This is not your team. You just got added to the team. If you got a problem with me, let's talk about it like men. So then he's like, oh, I don't like the way you talk to me. And I was just like, yo, bro, I let so many things slide. If you got an issue with me, we could take it outside. He's like, oh, I love you, Stevie. I love you, Stevie. So he puts a hand on my shoulder, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> You're not Stevie. You don't love me. Forget that. So my friends over here at the argument, and we leave the theater. And we're on our way to, like, this diner by the pit, Big Daddy. And there's this guy that's, like, uh, trigger warning. 
hitting this woman in, in the street. So I'm on this adrenaline, and my friends are like, whoa, that's fucked up. So we're like, yo, don't touch this woman. And we didn't know what this guy could have had anything on him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we were like, yeah. we're about to fight this guy. <laughs> Literally. And once the guy focuses like his attention on me and my, my three friends, the woman books it. Like she's like, gone. And then the dude like takes a swing and we notice that like, oh, this guy's like drunk. So it's not even worth fighting yeah. him. So we just left. But like I felt like that whole night. I was just like on 10 with bravery because I reached a certain point of doing what I thought was correct, which is allowing people to say slick things for the sake of like being brave in a company. And then it just reaches a point where you're actually brave and you're like, nah, like, fuck that. You're not going to talk to me like this or say slick things or be racist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you reach like a point of I've had in, I can't take anymore. I've had enough. It's whatever happens, I have to say exactly, something. Exactly. Even if there's consequences for me. Even though, as you said, it's very rare to be paid doing improv and you were being yeah. paid, right? So it was some, like, if you end up having problems and not being, if you ended up losing that income, it will also have consequences for you, yeah. right? But It'll... there's a point where the, the scale reaches too much of a an unbalanced state that you have to say absolutely something, absolutely happens. and it wasn't like I, i wasn't making enough money where that was the only thing i could have done but it was the fact that this is a company like this is not just a team like this is a company you gotta follow them on your taxes they they asked us to do this so it's like yo if you have an issue with a co-worker talk to them outside of work and then when we go yeah. to work it's normal but he was like nah like fuck that then they told him to apologize to me and he's like i'm not gonna apologize to steve And then quit. So cool. Then that's like the perfect yeah. outcome. Also, you said when the other guy who was uh, hitting the woman uh, came to you, uh, or like you said that thing, I didn't know what he might have on him. And that's always like mm -hmm. a thing that happens to me when I'm in New York. It's because I usually like tell people to fuck off if they like bump into me or whatever. And that whenever I'm in New York, I'm like, oh, people can have <laughs> guns. I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> Because I'm like, yo, if you're, if you're doing that insane of a thing at, like, 10 on a Saturday, I was yeah. like, yo, you could have any weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Here, people can have knives, which is still bad, but... <laughs> That's also... I would also be very scared if you had a knife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were going to... You thought about another moment when you were... Uh, <laughs> this one's, like... This one's not heavy or, or racially charged, but... <laughs> Um, I don't really know how it is in the UK with schools, but in like America, they kind of do this very stupid thing where they give you a free period. <laughs> it's like study hall and you could just do whatever study. Most people just skipped it. But if you do relatively bad in a subject, they replace that period with a class that helps you with the subject that you're doing bad in. So I <laughs> still to this day, I'm very bad at math. So, so they gave me a math lab instead of a study hall. And I don't know what were, was going through our brains as teens, but we <laughs> thought like we deserved a teacher that was like treating us like we were like in high school. I don't know why, but this like teacher, she was so playful. I believe sh she might have had a background in clowning because she was very physical and she was very jokey, but I might be wrong. But her name is Mrs. MacGyver. Where, if Mrs. MacGyver, if you listen to this podcast, I hope you're doing all right. Because we gave you some pain. 
But kids just, they were just shitty to her. Like, just fucking just terrible. Like, they didn't care what she was giving out, nothing. So, I remember the point that, like, broke everything down for the kids. Where, like, you know when you, like, put, like, a one over the problem to add or whatever that shit is? She was just like, think of it as a bird in the sky and you have to add one more bird to the nest. And then everybody was like, nah, fuck that, man. We don't want to hear this bullshit. So uh, I had that class right before lunch. So I'm at lunch and the whole, like most of the class, I hold the class, most of the class was in my lunch. And they're like, yo, bro, we're going to go to the principal's office to get Mrs. MacGyver fired. And I'm like, that's wild. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to that shit with you guys. Like, that's insane. So they're like, nah, nah, nah. Like, we, we need a real teacher because we're doing bad in math. I'm like, maybe we're doing bad in math because maybe we're not good kids. So they're like, nah, nah, fuck that, fuck that. So I'm like, all right, maybe it's just going to be these six kids that go up there to the principal's office and the rest of the six kids, because there's like only 12 to 13 kids there, they'll be there. <laughs> I swear to God, it's just me and this other kid named George <laughs> in the class. So Miss MacGyver gives like a 10-minute wait like oh the kids will come in they usually come late the kids will come in and like 10 turns to 15 so then 20 she's like where are the kids so george is like i don't know so i'm like all right like should i lie or should i tell the what's going down because she's eventually gonna hear it so i'm like yeah all right miss MacGyver, if i'm being real with you like the kids went to the principal's office you feel me and they're trying to get you fired and she's like hi steve that's funny and i'm like i'm dead ass and she just starts, like, hysterically, like, she walks to the desk, sits down, and just starts crying. And I'm like, yo, holy shit. I was like, yo, this is a grown woman. Like, holy shit. So the principal comes in with the class, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm hoping this dude is going to be like, tell, tell us that we're dickheads, right? And he's just like, oh, you guys got to understand, you got to be nice to Miss MacGyver. Like, if you're in a, a a lab class, this is your second chance to prove yourself. He's like, my daughter was on a soccer team, and she had a penalty, and she thought she was going to tie the game, and she missed it. This is your missed penalty. This is your chance to score the goal. Back of my mind, I'm like, yo, bro, what the fuck that got to do with us? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so everyone sits down, right? And, and they're like, please be nice to Miss MacGyver. So then I'm like, I, right, I don't know what they told. Mr. Gangler, the principal, but I'm going to tell them what they really mean. So I raised my hand to be a brave one. I'm like, we just kind of don't want to be treated like we're in third grade. I don't think she deserves to get fired. I just think she should have talked to us like we're little kids. So then (laughs) it's pitch quiet. And Mr. Gangler is like, yeah, yeah, just give them more authority, please. And then one kid goes, hey, yo, man, she just garbage at her job. And I'm like, yo. You see homegirl crying. Like, don't just say she's trash at her job. But uh, to to wrap it up, though, she only made it, like, five more months, and they gave her a replacement. <laughs> so she didn't even finish. Yeah, okay. she didn't even finish the year. I think she left around, like, April or, like, late March. Yeah, and was the the replacement Brutal. Better? She was brutal. She was so mean. But that that's the karma. You You send this lady to the deep end. And then you get a mean teacher. Yeah. That's what the fuck. Like, I had an arts teacher, I think, like in ninth grade, who I think she had had like a, a mental breakdown before she was our teacher and she was just recovering. So sometimes she'd forget 
we were having class. And one of those times, me, she di- didn't show up and everyone split. And me and a couple of friends went to the library because we thought we'd do some work. And she was in the library and we were like, uh, shall we tell her we're supposed to be having class? <laughs> everyone split. We can't have class anymore. It won't be just the three of us and you as a teacher. <laughs> it's crazy. And she spoke very, very slowly, so everyone mocked her very hard. <laughs> that, so people don't understand. Teachers be going through some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and at the time, right, like kids, we, we all knew she had had like, uh, some sort of depression or whatever. But we still treated her like <laughs> shit. And she was having like issues. That actually reminded me of something else that... Uh, I think it was in the same class because she exactly it was the same teacher because she didn't have any hand yeah. on us. So yeah, the boys will be reading porn magazines and like bullying the girls with that. Holy shit! And she wouldn't do anything. Oh. It was so terrible. <laughs> memories. I hadn't thought about this in a long time, Steve. So you made me have like memories of childhood trauma. My apologies. My apologies. Sincerely, sincerely. <laughs> like, on the other side of the scale, were there moments in your life in which you haven't done something for, like, of bravery or fear? Like, where I haven't? Hmm, that's a good one. I would probably say, like, I never really, like, punked down from any moment. Like, I, I kind of, like, flip, flip a switch. Like, all right, if, like, whether it's, like, performing or it's, like, I'm in, like, a like a fight or anything, I'd be like, all right, now nah, I just got to do this. But I would be, I would definitely say I definitely punk down or like I play a scaredy cat when I have like feelings for someone. So usually like, mm-hmm. usually the person would know and I just let it slide on by to the point where they don't care anymore. So that's probably the most thing I've been like not brave about. Like when I actually have feelings for someone I actually tell them I'm pretty bad at that. But usually like I felt like yeah. because of my environment in Brentwood, like, if anything gets hostile, it's like, I'm going to go from goofy to, like, serious in a second. You know what I mean? But when it comes to expressing your feelings, <laughs> yeah, I'm striking out. I'm not swinging at all. And it, it doesn't get better. Do you try? Do you just... I mean, there was... there was When I used to work uh, in Long Island when I was younger, there was this one person that I was, like, really, really into. And I tried. But it was, like, almost like... That person was like, I don't know if I want to be in something or if I just want to be solo. And they were kind of very standoffish to to most people. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, I think me asking to hang out and do things is enough. And all my friends were like, yo, what you really got to do is just ask her. Just ask her out. Ask her out. And then when I did, that shit was a brick. It was a complete miss, <laughs> an L. So after that, I was just like, yo. I don't know if I'm ever going to do this shit again. <laughs> what about like when are you good at reading whether people are into Hell you? Hell no. I remember a close friend of mine, he told me, I'm thinking this person's being friendly. You know what I'm saying? They're just being friendly. He's like, yo, nah, this person really like you. Like they told me what's up with you. I'm like, yo, how am I supposed to know some shit like that? I just think people are nice. Like I, I can't read it. Like unless they're going to flat out yeah. just say it, I, I'm just terrible at reading it. Yeah, and then you fear the rejection in case oh, you like in the moment, if you were to say you will fear the re- the I'm totally the same. So I yeah. get you. I think re- <laughs> I don't tell. Anyone. I think rejection from like 
Like love hurts more than anything. Like if you if I gave you a script and you're like, well I I don't think this script is good. I won't care. Or if I play you a rap song I made and you're like, well this is not for me. I don't care. But if you put your heart on a platter and you're like, well I want to get to know you more and do things with you and they're like, nah. I'm like, god damn, <laughs> that shit is crazy. Like. And that is like a, a a turn with no return, right? Because if you were friends and you say something it's like over. that, you then are so hurt that you <laughs> you don't want more to be more than friends. Now I don't want to be friends yeah, with you. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> is there anything coming up in your life for which you will have to be brave? I'm probably gonna say two things. I'm gonna say the album that I'm dropping. Because ever since I was like in high school, people were like, you should make an album. And then I've been in like three rap groups and they, we all broke up. So to have like a body of work that's just like, here you go. And especially since the body of work is like about like when I first got out of Long Island into the city and all the crazy shit that happened. So I'm kind of like excited, but I'm kind of a little nervous to see what people think of it. But um All the close friends that heard the demos, they're going to be enjoying it. So I think that's going to be, that's going to take some bravery. Because there's going to be people that's going to ask me questions like, who are you rapping about? Who's the song about? And then I got to unwrap that box for them. Those feelings. Yeah. And, yeah. It's just going to be wild. Uh, and then I'm doing, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say that I, you have a video, I don't know how long ago. It's been more than a year because it was pre-pandemic. That video, that I think Sham directed it, and it's a one continuous yes. take. I love that thank song. You, thank you. I, it's, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so, so much. Just wanted thank to you. say I that. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, also, making a... Well, I co-wrote a film with a friend, and we're going to shoot it, I believe, in August. And that's probably the most... Like, I've... People have asked me to do, like, little roles or extra work. So this is, like, I'm, like, a supporting character. So I'm, like, yo, I'm pretty scared to do this. But uh, he wrote the character for me, and he has beliefs in me. So I just hope it goes well, because I've never done, like, a full-length, 14-day, all-day shooting. Like, I've never done anything like that. So that's going to take some bravery. I'm already nervous thinking about it, and it's months ahead. You know what I mean? So... I'm hoping it goes yeah. well. But also, I wrote it, so I should know the lines. Like, I don't know. I'm just praying to God. Also, like, you can, there's, like, you can do takes over, like, take again and again and again, so you'll get it. That's true. End. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something you want to do, to act? Yeah, like, I, I, I wouldn't say, like, I want to be like Denzel, but if, if someone asks me to do, like, something I think is cool, Or fun, then yeah. Usually, yeah. You know I mean, as a person of color, it usually gets bullshit. But uh, if you, if it's something cool, I could I could do it as long as it's not like insane. Like most of the people that know me close, they know my range of acting. So this <laughs> the guy I'm playing is like a slacker, sidekick, stoner. So it's like, oh yeah, it's just Steve. So you wouldn't necessarily push yourself to do shit. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I cannot. I wish, I wish, I wish I had the talent to do shit like that. Like that's like for real acting. But I think at, at my best, at my best, I'm like a Hannibal Burris. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Probably at my worst, I'm like Michael Sarah before he did indie movies. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
I did do an acting class here. Like it was a short one, uh, just like eight classes or whatever. But because I'm in the UK, they always do Shakespeare. So we did like uh, a day of Shakespeare, and yeah, it's just terrible because <laughs> you, you you're meant to be natural, right? And there's nothing natural about the way <laughs> that that's written. That's <laughs> no. no, true. I remember I had to read that shit in, in middle school. I was like, what in the name of God do they have us read it right now? <laughs> that shit was crazy. Macbeth? Like, yo, you, nobody in eighth grade should read Macbeth. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, because then it's also like all super violent. And crazy. <laughs> I also went to see one of the plays here. They have like um, a theater that's built in the way theaters back then were built. So it's in the round and it doesn't have oh, a hell ceiling. Yeah. And it was a, a huge like um, summer day, like very hot summer day. And I think it's Titus, and I may be wrong, I think it's Titus Andronicus. There's, like, f several people that get their ne neck cut off oh, yes, 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 yeah. in the play. And it was so beautifully done. There was, like, blood <laughs> coming out of their necks. And it was so beautiful and real. People started dropping, like, p the audience started fainting one after yeah, the other no. to the point that I that I thought I never fainted I don't know what I'd feel if I fainted so I'm just going to like lean against the wall just in case because <laughs> there everyone was fainting around that, me that's nuts crazy that's the beauty of theater though like when theater is like like a like like just acting in a great script it's amazing you know what I mean yeah I remember um, when I was younger, first the first uh, play I ever seen that was like not musical was This Is Our Youth. I brought it for myself because Michael Sarah was in it. And I was like blown away. I'm like, holy shit. Like they're just on stage in one area, like one stage. It doesn't change. I'm like, Yo, that's impressive. You know what I mean, like acting is crazy. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you can, like if you are just in one space and you can, um, which, which I guess. It's what also people do in improv, right? You, you are trying to make the audience believe that you are in a place that doesn't actually exist on yeah. stage. So if you are like, if you are good at improv, you're also doing that. You are also transporting people to other places and then making them laugh yeah, again. Which is also beautiful when done correctly. <laughs> yeah. When done, when done well, yeah. Uh, but so much, so much of it is. <laughs> <laughs> Is there someone real or fictional from your own life or some like public figure that you would use as an example of bravery? Ooh, um, I would say probably two people. I would say uh, Kid Cudi and uh, Donald Glover. And for me, at that time, I thought both of them, I think uh, Kid Cudi came out, I was in 10th grade, yeah. And then Donald Glover, I was a freshman in college when his album came out. But I think what they did well was speak to POCs that were going through something that a lot of us go through, but we just don't want to say it because of the way society kind of brainwashed us. So Kid Cudi was like the first like black rapper who was like, I am depressed and I hate my life and I want to die. And I'm like, oh, that's like real shit. Like, thank you for not telling me you want to like shoot someone or do some crazy shit. So I was like, I gravitated to that a lot. And then Donald Glover was just like, although I am black, I don't feel black because of X, Y, Z. So I think for those two dudes, especially at that point, rap was extremely like 
gangster, like eccentric. Like it's just like, oh, I got guns or I'm selling drugs. So for those two dudes yeah. to be like, oh, we're gonna kind of sway ray that, and then go deeper into like like pain, I thought that was like pretty dope. So I think they're brave for that. But also as creatives, I think like like as we were saying before, they kind of push the boundaries without being too edgy. Like I think like that uh, music video you referenced was like um, I was thinking about like the way Donald Glover had like a short film for his album. So I think like the mm-hmm. way they think about rollouts and how to put together an album and make a world and have a narrator for the albums, I think those two dudes are very brave for all the African Americans that don't fit like the box of what you think an African American is. And I'm doing that in quotes. Yeah. yeah. So that also inspires you to do the same sort of work. For sure, for sure. I for sh- I probably wouldn't ever have done uh, improv. This is actually wild because I've never said this recorded for if it wasn't for two people. If it wasn't for Uh, three people actually if it wasn't for donald glover broad city and then my brother so my, me and my brother we went to like a random ucb show like he knew the logo from the tv show yeah and we went to chelsea and the sh- next show that was showing was broad city but this was like before that a television show and it was such a fun show and at the end of the show they're like oh if you go to this website you can take classes So when my brother looked up the website, he's like, I don't know this guy, I don't know this guy. And then it says, Donald Glover took classes here. And he's like, that's the black guy from Community. And then, boom, he just brought me a class for my birthday. So, yeah, definitely. And I was into it because I'm like, oh, if he took a class here, then I might have an opportunity to do X, Y, and Z, and et cetera, et cetera. So, for sure. That's cool. I, I had never seen improv or known about improv before I went to a festival here. Actually, no. I went, I heard about improv. I tried to look for improv, went to see a short form show that was terrible. And I thought, oh my, my God, my friend who's doing improv is ruining his life because this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> But then there was a festival and Anthony Atamanik and Neil Casey were doing there too many. Oh, hell yeah. And that blew my mind because it was so... Yeah, but I never thought I... And I still don't think I can do it <laughs> that way. But yeah. Oh, man. At that time, it was, like, impossible for me to even think being on a stage. Uh, were you always, like, a kid who performed? Yeah, I mean, not. I wouldn't say, uh, like, uh, I was always that... Uh, let me... I've got to describe this correctly so I don't sound like a weirdo. Like... <laughs> in between classes, I would sound such like a weirdo. In between classes, me and my close friend Josh, we would like freestyle rap and then record it and then put it on YouTube. So you could, I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube. So we would kind of do that and then we became known as it. So I guess technically that's like performing, but Josh, the guy that rapped with me, he was in theater and then I would hang out with him and his theater people. And then sometimes... When you hang out with them, they'll do, like, bits and act and stuff like that. But I wasn't never, like, um, like someone that was, like, always on the stage. The first time I was ever, like, legit on stage was my one-on-one UCB class. But when it came to, like, freestyling in front of people and stuff like that, I was doing that for, like, since middle school to up. How was that for you to, like, to be on stage with an audience? I don't know how, how big an audience your one-on-one um, show had. But... My one-on-one was, was like, pretty, like... Not, like, sold out, but it was okay. I was nervous as hell because I was like, this is not really... Like, you, like, with improv, it's like, all right, yeah, this is off the cusp, off the dome. But it's like, it depends on how good the monologue is. So I'm like, yo, this monologue yeah. might be trash, and I'm gonna look crazy in front of, like, 20 people. But 
I, I was nervous, but once I hit like um, it was three hundred one. Once I got into three hundred one, that's when shit was like, oh yeah, like I'm calm, I'm cool. Like even my brother was like, oh now you look, you look co- comfortable on stage now. So three hundred one was when it kind of I was comfortable with being on stage. Yeah, what made you like perform? Like yeah, I guess like you, you the the rapping bit and the. Is different because it's maybe I don't know I have no idea I'm saying shit <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's that's maybe something that comes from more from like from you from uh, your creative impulses maybe it's always there uh, whilst improv is something that you had to like go to a class and whatever uh, what made you think that that was fun <laughs> when you were nervous and all I that? think I think there's like a beauty. And I think I, I heard the episode with Patrick and he said it perfectly. Like when you there like there's like a beauty to like we have nothing. There's no script. We did not prepare it. We're winging it and something beautiful is happening. Compared to like, I know my lines, I'm here on time, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So I think I fell in love with the beauty of making like a short play on the tip of your toes. And that's kind of what made me enjoy it. But I feel like if I never freestyled when I was younger. I probably wouldn't appreciate improv the way I did, if that makes sense. Because I, I kind of look at them in the same, like, way. Because it's like you're both improvising. You're just doing a play. And then this this time you're just, like, rhyming the words or trying to make a song. And then making a play in a song, both are very difficult. <laughs> But when you make them on the tip of your toes, you're like, oh, my God. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's what I love. Which then brings me to another question, which is... When you are writing music, or even writing, because you write comedy as well and films and whatever, when you are writing, is that more exciting? Is is it scarier to open that work into the public rather than when you're improvising? Oh yeah, most most definitely, most definitely. I'm more scared to show something I've written than improvising, but I feel like. Uh, I look at like freestyling and improv as fun and I look at writing as therapeutic because like some people enjoy like um, writing about like themselves and what happened to them and and I respect that but I'm not like a big fan of myself so I I like writing stories about like what could have happened between these two people or what if this world was in this world so I kind of look at like that and sometimes I feel like at least with comedians less than friends or musicians I know They kind of judge you when you're like not writing. Oh, why isn't Steve not in the script? So then I'm kind of nervous to be yeah. like, I don't really like myself, but this is what I wrote. But yeah, I would definitely say I uh, I'm more hesitant to show someone something I wrote than like a uh, improv set or a set of my solo thing. Yeah. And when you're creating is, of course, uh, I don't know if of course, but it's like it's challenging to write something. But and you said it was th- therapeutic. Uh, is it also fun or is it a lot of work? Um, f- script writing for me is a yeah. lot of work. Script writing for me is a lot of work because I I usually have some kind of like template. So I have like a script open so I could be like, all right, so they did it like this and then I could do it like that. But when it comes to making a song, that is... So I don't think there's any more, there's nothing more fun than making a song, at least for me. Because it's like, I kind of do this kind of like, I kind of freestyle a verse, and then I kind of take lines that I like, 
and then I write it and then I kind of add to it and then I kind of go onto it. Or sometimes I would just like say gibberish, but I would have a flow mm -hmm. and then I, I would record that gibberish flow and I'll be like, nah, I just put the lyrics onto it. So I have so much fun doing it. And it's like, it, like sometimes it'll take me an hour, 90 minutes, maybe two hours to make a song, but it feels like 15 minutes. It was just like fun. So I have so much fun mm -hmm. making music, but script writing is so much work for me, but it's so rewarding to be like, I finished. You know what I mean? Like, I am done with this. <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool feeling. What about like the musical side of the ha harmony side, the musical side of uh, your, what, did you all, were you always musical? Did, do you play instruments? Um, I wish I played instruments. When I was young, uh, in seventh grade, I was so bad at the cello. Shout out Miss Yamaguchi, for real. She was just like, hey, you're a good kid and you're trying. I'm going to just let you pass and you don't have to show up to class. So I had to just like tell kids like, yeah, Miss Yamaguchi said I was so ass at the cello that I could just not do it and still pass. <laughs> But no, I'm really bad with any kind of instruments. But when I was younger, I had a neighbor and he was like really into like making beats, like music producing. So mm -hmm. he would come over my house every day and then on my Dell computer, he would make beats. So from like seventh grade to like 11th grade, I was making like terrible music, like horrendous music and freestyling it so bad. But um, with when it came to like melodies and stuff like that, I would say that became uh, like I became better at that uh, when that became more popular in music. So like when Drake and Childish Gambino and yeah. all of them kind of rose up and it was more melodic, that's when I had a knack. Because mm -hmm. I do a lot of melodies for my friends. Like if they have a song, they'll be like, you don't have to write the chorus, but what melody should the chorus be? Like I do that for a lot of my friends. Or I've also done that in um, musical improv. I'll be on the back line and although I'm not the best singer, I'll set the melody and then the people on the team that are great singers, they flesh it out and then the crowd's like, oh, that's awesome. So that became definitely... A better skill when it was more predominant hip hop music. Uh, I'm very, I'm very impressed when people can create music because I have musical education and I played the piano for like 12 years. But if you tell, if you ask me, just play something without a sheet of music in front of you, I, like, uh, I can't. I've, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. This is horrible. Why are you making me do that? <laughs> and I've. I think it's wrong. <laughs> I think the way people teach music when you learn like music in that way of the musical education, you learn all the notes, you learn how to play them, and then you have to play that thing that you have in front of you in the way that it is supp supposed to be played. <laughs> you then are just like stuck in it and can't, I don't know, maybe other people can. Definitely other people can, because there's a lot of people who have musical education who now create music. <laughs> But it's, it's just like, I don't know, my brain doesn't reach that I get part. that, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about how you sometimes just do gibberish and then you record yourself and then you make music from that. And I remember an experience I had. I worked at a film festival a few years ago where Lee Scratch Perry had a, a documentary about his life. Oh, yeah. And my role in that festival was the guest liaison. So I went to pick him up at the airport, he and him and his wife, and then was in the car with them till the hotel. And he was having an argument with, with his wife because she wanted to go 
buy dresses and you didn't want her to go buy dresses. And then he said something like that sounded poetic. And I heard that again straight after he said it with the exact same tone and rhythm. And I realized that he he, he was recording himself. <laughs> and I think he records himself just the whole time. And then if he says something he likes, he's like, okay, cool. I'm keeping this. It's like amazing. <laughs> That is insane, but I think um, that's also what Kendrick Lamar does. If Kendrick Lamar's like, what I heard, if he's like at a restaurant or if he's with a friend, if he doesn't have his phone or he doesn't want to check his phone, he'll write down, oh, this line is great. Like, I have to wrap this in this one. I'm like, yo, that's insane, though. <laughs> that's like full commitment. Yeah, I was like, God damn, bro. Like, what? It's insane. Everything about my life can, be, <laughs> can pick it up right now and do something. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if you did do a lot of thinking about bravery <laughs> since you booked to do the podcast. Some people go really deep into thinking about what bravery means and whatever. Is there something you thought about bravery uh, in this week since you booked a uh, date that you'd like to share, to, that you think I haven't asked you about? I feel like uh, when I first like heard about the podcast and the episodes I've listened to, they're like people being like real. And I I feel like um, when I told my friends I'm about to do because one of my friends wanted to hang out and I told them the podcast and I told them what podcast I'm doing and what it's about. Some people usually think like bravery is something that's like super hyper masculine or like anything that's like a fight. And I think it's like, this is sounds so idiotic, but I think it's because of Tommy Pickles. Because like Tommy Pickles was like, as a kid, the first character that you're like, oh, hell yeah, like that person's actually brave because it's a baby. It's not like this like dude with like a six pack and big arms. So I thought a lot about when was I like fearless like Tommy? <laughs> and I was like, I don't have any <laughs> moment like that. <laughs> I just have moments when I should have not been honest and I was honest. <laughs> so that's kind of what I thought about coming into is like when when was I honest and how honesty plays into bravery? Because I feel like that's like a like a big part of bravery. Half honesty and then just the most confidence you could have, I think. It melts together. Yeah. But also, yeah. shout out Tommy Pickles. <laughs> help the children. I help out the youth. How do you think Tommy Pickles will uh, do coming up to someone he fancies? <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll do pretty good. I think... Also, he has purple hair. That is a game changer. If you have purple hair, that's pretty awesome. He has, yeah. yeah a purple bus. You don't even have to say exactly, anything. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Shout out Tommy. Shout out Tommy. <laughs> uh, this was a lot of fun and it's the end of the podcast the only the last thing I'll ask you about is if you have any plugs Ooh, for sure you feel me you could find me on Instagram at Yo Genty on Twitter it's just my name Steve Genty it's S-T-E-V-E J-E-A-N-T-Y I have two other lovely podcasts I have the Chuckleheads podcast and then I have the 89 Cops podcast uh, one is a comedy podcast one is a sports podcast and if you're listening, go go stream my music. Uh, my name is Ronnie Cortado. I have one single. Go stream my best friend's music. It's Burt Knox. Music is great. And then um, FaceTime your homies. That's what I want to plug. Talk to your homies because you don't know what the fuck could happen. You know what I mean? Don't, don't go crazy because the vaccine is out. But FaceTime your homie before you meet up. Yeah, call your homie. Mm-hmm. You are way ahead in the vaccination there. I'm very jealous. Uh, I've had my first vaccine and still waiting. <laughs> so my, my dad just got it. And then he's like, I'm about to bike three towns over 
with no mask on. I'm like, yo, dad, chill. <laughs> yo, put that shit on when you're biking, bro. Like, chill. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Now, hopefully, this will end soon and I'll be able to go to New hell York. Hell yeah, hell, hell yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, Steve, for being a guest at my Thank podcast. you for having me. Out of ball. Out of ball. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at Marianas Beats on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all dowdy updates and other silly content. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. So please head over to iTunes to give Dowdy a bump. If you've enjoyed the podcast, tell your friends, share on your socials using the hashtag DowdyPod, or drop me a DM. All good vibes welcome. Huge thank you to Shem Pennant for the intro and outro jingle and for being present in my life. If you'd like to support my work, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Marianas Beats. I've been Marianas. Until next week.